Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. I'm super pumped today to have my good friend on here, Mallory Rowan. And Mallory is a speaker, a educator, a content creator, someone who has sold hats and t-shirts and now sells dreams to almost anything you can achieve. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. But your bio, Mal, is yeah. built a six-figure global business. Now you teach people how to do that without burning out. That's a very small title, but yeah. a very large window. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. The first thing I want to do is how did you start? And then what have you done since? Yeah, for sure. I'll try to give you the like condensed version. Um, so I got into business at a super early age. Like I always knew I was intrigued by marketing and business. So I worked like corporate, like right from first year university. Um, so by the time I was in fourth year, I had moved on to the startup world because I knew like the cubicle life was not driving for me, like being mm -hmm. in the cold AC in the middle of a building all summer. It was just a hard no. So I switched to the startup world really, really exciting, very different culture. But then it kind of is that in between where you're like taking on the anxiety of a founder, but you're like, I don't get anything at the end of the day, right? Like the founder gets to sell or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. It's this weird in between where you get to act like you're an entrepreneur, but then that also comes with a lot of the stress of an entrepreneur when you're truly not, right? So I was kind of transitioning, um, thinking about other things. And then I started um, LVD Fitness as a class project actually and just so you know i have a drawer of lbd fitness yeah one entire drawer committed to your brand and when i talk to you know the athletes i coached over yeah. the years i have like a third of what they have oh yeah <laughs> so i know it, it was a crazy. phenomenal product yeah thank you um yeah so we started building that actually out of a class in carlton josh wasn't even in the class it's still a little like fuzzy to think of how i got him on board i mean the class was like hey you can like work with people outside of this because they wanted you to turn it into a real business but that's still like a very unclear moment where i was like hey do you want to like do this with me um but we guys, knew we wanted were you guys so. dating at the time no Ooh, interesting <laughs> yeah we were doing the like yeah that that friend period where like mm -hmm people think you're dating or like some people will be like, Oh, are you guys dating? And you're like, no, why would you think that? Like, it's like everyone else knew before you. Mm -hmm. So we were in that phase where like, we should probably build a business together. Um, so we started working on it. Then we actually did the awkward, are we friends or more conversation? And we we're like, yeah, yeah, no, we're just friends. Let's still build this business together. <laughs> so it started kind of messy, but somehow worked out for us. Like we're still together and still doing businesses together. So don't think I'd recommend it, but it worked out for us. Um, so we started building that. And then I actually ended up going like back into corporate as really that like crutch for lack of a better word to build this thing. I had a really great corporate job opportunity and it was going to let me travel, which was super cool for like going to different powerlifting gyms for LBD and all that stuff. So I took a corporate job 
to build this business. And then after just about a year of that, we both ended up, I quit first. And then a few months later, Josh quit as well. Um, and we went full-time in it. And I think a lot of what made LVD successful. So as you mentioned, like it's powerlifting apparel company, um, that was designed to help athletes give back because we noticed we had a lot of similar values with other athletes and, you know, they all want to do good and have this impact, but they're also usually crazy busy. They have like so many extracurriculars. They're in their sport of choice. So it was an easy way of like, if you're buying a shirt anyways, for the gym, this one's going to have a bigger impact. So that was something that was really the passion behind the brand. And then also connecting the powerlifting community, because it was at this transition point where I think it was going more mainstream and we were definitely more of that like mainstream consumer. And so we wanted something that we really connected with that was, you know, relevant to powerlifting, but also to who we were as people. Mm -hmm. And uh, not a lot of people know, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Your first meet you went to, was that our meet that we hosted? Oh, hell yeah. Yours was our first everything. Like we did your meet. All we had was wristbands that said LVD fitness. Mm -hmm. Cause we actually, when we had to order those wristbands, we hadn't finalized the logo. <laughs> so <laughs> those wristbands stuck with us for a long time. People love them cause they're so thin, but it's mm -hmm. kind of funny. Like they're only thin cause we didn't have a logo. So we just wanted to put the word. I remember Maggie's like, Hey, um, there's these kids. That's what she called you. Right. Cause yeah. she's old as shit. We were kids. <laughs> she was like, there's, there's these kids that want to come to our meet and they want to be yeah. a bit of a sponsor and they just want yeah. to like uh, sell bracelets and the money was going to go, or some of the money was going to go to water aid. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, hundred percent. Let's do it. Like, why not? Kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I think we, we sold water was what we did. We sold water bottles and we gave away a wristband on each one. Or if you followed us on Instagram, you could have it for free. Yeah. So that was kind of the play <laughs> we did. Mm -hmm. And then a few months later, um, we did one of your meets like that was August. And then September, your meet was where it was one of your Orleans ones. That's where we did um, the first like hundred shirt order, and we just sold mm -hmm. the straight T-shirts, mm -hmm. and that was the first time we like had a product. We actually did that before we even made a website or anything, mm -hmm. and that was like our trial zone um, for selling product. Mm -hmm. So, so let's talk numbers. How successful yeah. was your business? Yeah, in terms of like revenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Um, at our, I would say like our peak, but I guess at the end too, cause we didn't really go back down, but, uh, we were doing like over 350,000 in annual revenue. And that was mostly the product. But then as you know, we added like a media side of our business. That was kind of a weird combo, but for us just worked really well because we were at the meets anyways, it actually started as a way for us to get more publicity for our own brand. Mm -hmm. So again, one of your meets, I don't know what it was. It was like your meets were just always the moment for us to try new shit. Um, but I think it was junior provincials. And we knew that junior is students, which means they're cheap and they're broke. So we said, you can either buy photos for $30, or if you wear an LVD shirt, that's $30, you get photos for free. So Genius. yeah, most people were like, cool, well, I'll just get the shirt. Cause it was a cool shirt. It was a legal shirt for the platform, which matters in powerlifting. And it was a win-win. We had like almost the entire meet wearing LVD because everyone was so cheap, but wanted like the photos <laughs> for social. <laughs> and that was really what we kind of started with LVD media. Cause that was mostly us just getting the photos. And then we're like, 
Hey, we're actually pretty good at this. And this is something that is great for us. Cause then we get high quality photos. Most people didn't mind if we shared their photos and it really just added this other stem of the business that ultimately was coming from that same like problem we were trying to solve of connecting the powerlifting community. Mm -hmm. So intelligent LVD company, you then branched off into other things. Would you yeah. mind talking about what happened next? Yeah. So, um, we started expanding like into the States. We got, um, honestly like the strongest power lifters in the world. I would say like Ray, uh, I was going to combine their names, Ray Williams and Jen Thompson, <laughs> yeah. say Ray Thompson. That would, um, be a, that would be a super strong child. Yeah. That's like <laughs> scary. <laughs> um, but we got some of these really, really amazing athletes on board. We started doing collaborations with other really strong athletes as well. Um, we did a lot of like collaborative products and we just started really refining like the product launches. We were doing, you know, more sophisticated, more business minded launches as we went figuring out what worked, what didn't work. And like, that really was the growth for us was like, just actually paying attention and looking at the things you're doing and saying like, what could we do differently? Like that photo idea, right. It was something mm -hmm. for marketing and then it turned into a whole revenue stream. Um, so from there, the business was doing really well. And as you mentioned, like people were really buying it. So that was actually like a, a pro that became a mini con for us because it felt like we were really playing into this like consumerism that was really like fast fashion. All that stuff was really starting to pick up. There was a lot of fitness brands too. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of getting to the point where we were like, well, I think like we don't need any more LVD right now. Like we almost need a break from some of our own collection. Um, and that was kind of like a wake up moment for us where we started to think more long-term. Like you mentioned, we were kids when we started it. So thinking about like, okay, do we want to run a t-shirt company forever? What is the vision here? Like, where do we want to go with it? Mm -hmm. And then after LVD, you, you moved on. It, it feels like I didn't see you for like 30 days. And then all of a <laughs> sudden you were like doing, I don't know, presentations in the yeah. corporate world where you would do something with Google or you just, you yeah. just blew up overnight doing something different. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I have, have always been obsessed with change. I am like that. Like any hobby I ever had, any job I ever had, any like boyfriend before Josh ever had, there was just like a day where I was like, nope, this is now done. You're out next dude. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I always knew, like my mom always said growing up, like I was really good at having that gauge of like getting out before I hate something. Like I just knew when that mm -hmm. moment was over jobs, all that stuff. I'd be like, Hey, I've learned what I want to learn and I'm on to the next. So it was always like a really healthy moving on as opposed to letting it fall apart. Um, but yeah, there was kind of this in between where what really triggered it was I started to burn out super, super badly. I was getting a lot of health problems and being a business in powerlifting also meant for the most part, you are like really part of that community. You are a powerlifting athlete. Right. So that was really hard for me because I had people like you know, a lot of people actually looking up to me as an athlete, um, especially like as a, a woman in powerlifting, right? Um, there's a lot more now, which is amazing to mm -hmm. see, but it really was a time where, you know, people were looking for strong women powerlifters. And I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this, but just in case you're not, your brand of clothing, your brand of apparel, actually, um, it, it sat well with the female athlete. And yeah. every every brand that I'm aware of prior to that, not so well, not so much. There was always skulls yeah. with flames on it, yes. <laughs> you know, horses with uh, yeah. spikes coming out of their thighs. And I remember yeah. Maggie at first, she's like, this is legit. And then I yeah. remember seeing that the, the spike of females in the sport increasing yeah. and for sure. I, we can't really look at the actual numbers, but there was a huge yeah. influence with your company. Oh, totally. I think it was something that felt like 
more like home to people than mm -hmm. the previous, which is really how we had started. Even Josh is not like an aggressive dude, right? Like we always talk, Josh has he's, a lot He's of such a calm lifter. Yeah, yeah, he's got, yeah, exactly. He's like got great feminine energy to him. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he's not the guy that's wearing like skulls and crossbows, right? So I think that really combined to create a brand that a lot of people didn't realize they were like missing out on stuff, right? And then when that came along, they're like, oh yeah, this is me. Mm -hmm. um, which was really cool. But yeah, so I ended up, my body was getting pretty um, beat up because I mean, if we look at that timeline, yes, I was young and that's why I was able to do it. But I was in school, I was working full time. I was competing in powerlifting at the national level. We were traveling for my job, traveling for LVD. It was pretty nonstop. So my body was finally kind of just like, nah, bro, like this is not, <laughs> this is not a thing. And I remember like, I got super relieved when the doctor told me I had pneumonia because we were a few weeks out from provincials and I just felt like I was going to have a really bad meet and I was so anxious about it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like a reason to not mm -hmm. compete. The and only that's time I'm, somebody wants yeah. pneumonia. <laughs> I know. And that was what was kind of like messed up about it. I was like, Oh, okay. Like mm -hmm. that explains why my body wasn't, you know, peaking well, but also like the fact that I'm kind of stoked to have pneumonia is a little bit messed up. So it really forced me to step back a bit and like slow down and focus on my health as someone that's like in a health field, you think would be healthier, but not always the case. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, and, and then from there, what were the next business ventures you went to? Yeah. So I had been doing some consulting stuff kind of all along. Like I always say marketing was my first love, like mm -hmm. over anything, marketing is what I love and you can do it in any industry, which is what's so cool about it. So I had been doing some consulting throughout because I just get a lot of requests for that. And then I started to shift that a little bit. And, um, what I'm really a fan of is like covering your bills so that the rest can be creativity. I think financial pressure on creativity is really tough. Um, so for me, I was like, cool, how am I going to like pay my bills? Um, this was kind of as we started to shift like, slow down on LVD in terms of like, we didn't put out a collection for, I would say almost like eight months. Um, we were just mm -hmm. kind of like stalling, but in that time, you know, you still have money coming from the business. We're like, okay, how are we going to support ourselves this year? So we can make those decisions. And so we got a few marketing contracts. Um, so I was doing some consulting. I started doing some marketing for people and I knew that I didn't love like doing the marketing. I loved coming up with the like really cool strategies. I could see exactly what they should do. And it almost felt like wasted talent, I guess, to then go implement it. I'm like, no, I just need to tell people like, this is what you got to do with it because it's so clear to me. And so many business owners struggle with that side. It's just like not their talent, right? They're good at the thing that they're good at, which is mm -hmm. like owning a gym or whatever it might be. Um, so that was kind of how we started to transition and we had the contracts. And then at the same time, Josh was getting his real estate license. Um, because honestly, from the book, like rich dad, poor dad, we started learning more about finance. We started learning a lot about personal finance. And that was some like an avenue that the guy in Rich Dad Poor Dad had explored and it really piqued Josh's interest. We knew that we wanted to get in real estate investing. He's like, well, what better way to like know the market to just like jump into the market and work in it? So he like got his license faster than like I've seen anyone else do. He just went like test by test by test and blew through it mm -hmm. and started going full on real estate. And then that was one of those things where it was like, you know, just an idea. He's like, oh, I'm going to get my license. And then a few months later, 
like within six months, I'd say he was like full blown real estate agent. So I was kind of like, well, what am I doing now? Like, are we running this powerlifting business? Is it just me? Like, am I doing these marketing contracts? So there's definitely like a little bit of soul searching in there. But again, I went back to what I loved, which was the marketing. And that's when I started working with some more people. And I'd done enough consulting along the way to know that a lot of what I taught people was the same process. So then I kind of jumped in by running a group program. I started doing more speaking opportunities and that's really how it kind of snowballed into like what I do now. So now like what, what would you give yourself as a title? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you, um, you know, like what a Mal, yeah. you know, wingman, hype girl? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, like I struggle. So any form that's like, what's your title and company? I'm like, um, <laughs> it's Mal at Mal. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Anyone who knows you on the social media side definitely knows Mal. You're the yeah. only Mal. Yeah, and, and it's, just, that, it's just Mal. <laughs> yeah. And and that's why you're on you're on here today specifically. Uh, I love your story. You know, I love you and Josh as humans. You know, I got little guys at home, and I'm like, man, if they yeah. could be like half as active in you know self um, pr- productivity as Mal and Josh, I'd be okay with that. Oh, thank um, you. But 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 you're on here today because I was your student. I had um, purchased online your sell on social um, course, yeah. and because in the fitness industry, what happened when COVID hit? Everything shut down. The gyms mm-hmm. were shut down. We couldn't work. And I said, well, what what could I do instead? And I was like, well, I'm on social media maybe I should use my time a little bit more productively. So instead of, you know, you do the old Google search to figure it out and then you get, I might've downloaded a couple audio books and then realize this is going nowhere. (laughs) So like, I'll just, I'll just keep, I'll keep trying to like figure something out. And then I took your course and I was like, Oh, it's all put together. Like I get it now. (laughs) Yeah. it, It was just a simplified version of all the BS that's out there. And yeah. there was, you took the guessing out of it. Would you just, you know, give a little spiel here? What is sell on social? Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that too. One of the best compliments I've gotten about it is somebody told me they don't take a lot of notes when they go through it because they're like, I just feel like I know it. Like they're mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's not these like stupid little tricks. I just understand it. And it's now in my brain. So I don't even need to write it down. You had some pretty good analogies in there. And I think that good. was it, whether it's the triple F or um, what's yeah. my other favorite one, the, the panic dick pic. Oh yeah. <laughs> the dick pic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're just going to leave that with no context. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You have to address that, but first, okay, yeah. what is sell on social and then bring it back around yeah. to the panic. Yeah. People are like, does she teach people how to send? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically what sell on social is, it's is a program designed for people that kind of like want to vomit when they look at marketing and sales, but they know that they want to use social media to get sales. They're probably seeing people closing sales online. They love this like idea they hear about of leads coming to them, but they're just really grossed out by a lot of the marketing advice they're seeing online. That's really what inspired me to build it. So logistically what it is, is it's um, a self-led course where you have access forever. There's six modules in it. There's videos, there's templates, worksheets, all that fun stuff, really whatever you would need. And then with that, there's also um, a continued community. So there's a community of all the other members where people get feedback from each other. There's been so much collaboration this last year because there's a lot of overlapping industries, fitness and wealth, or wealth, 
fitness and wellness being one of those um, where people are doing like Instagram lives, they're doing product launches together. So it lets you connect with people that are in the same period in their business. And then there's also monthly group coaching calls. And so it's not supposed to be like an eight week program or anything like that. It really is like, Hey, take this course, watch it at your pace. And then whenever you're ready, there's these group calls you can hop into and they're very crowdsourced in terms of the material. We ask every month, like, what do you guys want? to talk about. And then we just continue the learning. So whether it's like how to, you know, use TikTok or Instagram stories, or even things like financially planning your last quarter, anything that's going to support people in their business as generally a solopreneur, I'd say most of the people in it are a solopreneur. And it's continuously evolving. So I just yeah. checked it out the other day. I was going back in or going over a few things. And I was like, oh yeah, you've added you've added this yeah. module, you've added this, you've added this, you've added this, which is really, really nice. I mean, mm-hmm. as a, I am an educator. So yeah. if I have a manual and I give somebody a manual, a tangible manual, yeah. there's no extras. Like, no, you got it. it, you got it. But yeah. the fact that it's online, checking out periodically, and then I'm like, oh, I missed that call. I can just click yeah. here and watch it again. I'm not interested in this, oh, but I do have a TikTok account. So I might look yeah. on that one there. So I found that was very um, uh, effective, you know, for a learner perspective. Yeah. And it's a good way to like not overwhelm people. Cause I think sometimes when people are making courses, they want to put like everything that they've ever known in it. Otherwise they think they're not doing it justice, but I think you can confuse people really easily in mm-hmm. course formats. So having that material that is more that like, Hey, this is a bonus call for later when it's right for you. Like if you're like, yeah, I want to do a TikTok strategy. Okay. So now we're going to open up that hour long video. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like a module where you're like, Oh man, now I have to get on TikTok. Like, what should I do? Mm-hmm. It's really at your own pace. Yeah. And you break down all the different social medias that people are using Facebook, Instagram, yeah. TikTok. So Instagram, I think one of your modules is um, how to sell on stories, right? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. That, and that's where the dick pic <laughs> comes from. Do you want to yeah, elaborate yeah, on yeah. that? Yeah. So like when you talk about people who hate, you know, traditional sales and marketing, um, I think a lot of people are are scared to sell because of how they've been sold to. And a lot of the times we're sold to like in really gross ways and that just turns it off completely. And we're so afraid of being that person. So what I call like the dick pic DM is like when people, you know, you just get that like cold message where somebody's like, Hey, I love your profile. Have you ever thought about making a course or like something like that, where it literally just feels mm-hmm. like you would open it. And it's the same feeling you get when you get a dick pic where you're just like, Oh, okay. I didn't need that in my day today. That's kind of how it feels when you get that message. I think people are so scared to be that person mm-hmm. that they're like not getting into conversations in the DMS, right? They're not talking to the people who are replying, they're like answering the question and kind of running away, right? So really actually building relationships and just like knowing that you're not going to be the dick pic guy, I find is like sometimes the reassurance people need. It's like, hey, like Chris Fudge would never be the guy that sends you like a gross, slimy sales message. It's just like not part of you, you know? We're going to go elsewhere with that. No. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. (laughs) But I'm not. I would hope not. not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You're 100% right. And working in fitness, uh, I've had the pleasure of, of, of meeting a lot of different trainers over the years, you know, where I locate as well. Sometimes we've had trainers come in and they're phenomenal at what they do. They have the mm-hmm. skills, they have the knowledge, but they're turned off so much by the fact of sales. Yeah. But you know, your course, I understand it, but you don't have to write everything down because the way you uh, yeah. uh, coordinate that information is someone else, but how could a fitness professional, if they're doing an online course, how could yeah. they utilize some of those strategies? Oh yeah. So I'm like huge, like, especially any of these industries where 
um, like fitness or chiropractors, nutritionists, where they're often operating out of like a gym or a clinic. I think it's so important to build that personal brand because it gives you just so much more autonomy and control. If you want to move practices, you don't feel like, oh man, I've been leaning on the brand of this company, right? You really have your own thing that you stand by that people will follow. And I think that's really important. I think the online opportunity, there's so much there. So like building a brand, regardless if you want to have an online service or not, is worth it when you're in the fitness world. It's how you get people coming to you. It's how you get the right people coming to you. I think Mm -hmm. that's a really big difference is when you start to build a brand that actually looks like you. And the course will talk about like how to build that brand too. Because I don't want to give you social media tips if your brand sucks because it's not (laughs) going to work out very well, right? Mm -hmm. So building that brand that feels like you it's crazy the way it attracts people. I mean, it sounds really obvious, but it actually attracts the people that you want to work with. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you have a fuller roster. You're probably charging more like what you should be charging. And it's people that you're like obsessed with working with. Like I love getting on my one-on-one client calls because I love working with those people because I've attracted the right people. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the same thing with fitness. You want to have those clients that you're not being like checking your watch of like, Oh, how long till this session's over, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I can, I can attest to that. I would always yeah. encourage new trainers. When you have zero clients, you take mm-hmm. anyone, yes. right? But yes. eventually you're going to get those clients that you love and, yeah. and they're the people that you want to be with more on a regular basis. And you talk about some really good strategies there, just how to identify your brand right off the bat. I thought that was very impactful because unfortunately that's not really it's not yeah. taught in the fit. Like when you go to work at a gym, they don't say build your brand. Totally. They say memorize this script first. Exactly. Same with like the yoga space, like a lot of the yoga trainings, Mm. they are like how to be a teacher at our studio. It's not like, Hey, here's some things to think about to like be your own boss or anything, which makes sense. Right. Everybody has like their perspective. Um, but yeah, really, I think once people explain explore that brand, it also shows them what they can do. Like if they do want to go off on their own, if they want to explore online coaching and they've only done in person, if they want to have a course, right? Mm -hmm. The more you are working with these people, like you said, that beginning phase, you take anyone, that's such an important part because that's how you figure out who you want. You might know who you want and it might not be it, right? Mm -hmm. But working with those people helps you figure it out. And then the same thing, the more you're online and experimenting with that brand, the more you'll see, like for me, my course became really obvious because it was like a lot of people who came to me for coaching, it was the same problem. Like they just wanted help with social. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to spend like six one-on-one calls saying the same thing every week. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they should be paying for that one-on-one time when I could just like hand it to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think too, in the fitness space, you might actually get like a course or a digital product idea that you're like, oh, this just makes so much sense. It's a great um, piece, either in addition to what I sell or instead of, I have a nutritionist client that built out a course because it's kind of like her downsell, like people who aren't ready to do the one-on-one nutrition stuff. She's like, you know what, if you want like that basic understanding to get started, here's the course. And now for every sales call she's going on, instead of having like less convert, you have like a different thing you can convert them on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I'm just not, I'm not saying that you should never work in like big box, big box gyms, you know, I know I'm like, I I don't want to get you in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Like I I work in one, right. But some of the lessons that, that, that came from that course, you can apply to your personal. So if you work as a personal trainer in a gym and you love, totally. you love rehabilitating people, right? Yeah. You're like, oh man, I went to school for kinesiology. I got an athletic training degree and I want to be in the box gym and I want to work with bodies. That's that's my niche. That's the thing I want to do. Your course lays out how to set that up, the type of clients you're looking for, which is very totally. impactful. So, you know, you, you can still yeah. work in the gym yeah, with yeah, these yeah. skill sets that came from the and- course. 
And I think that's exactly it. That's where it gives you that like autonomy and choice, but like recognizing that a choice can be to work in those places. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's less, it's not like, Oh, I feel like I have to work at the big box place. Cause I can't get clients. You're like, no, I love this environment and I want to stay here, mm -hmm. but I also have this strong brand. I think you're a great example of that. Right. Like you're someone that could do it any which way you want right now and you choose to do that, right? And I think too, when you start to expand your brand, that's where there's other opportunities. There can be sponsorships, right? Especially if you're an athlete yourself. Mm -hmm. um, there can be like affiliate stuff. There can be speaking opportunities. All of those are great for your brand, but can also be other revenue sources, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, with social media right now, what are you? What are some of the hot topics? What are things that you see people should be doing when they're selling on social? These are what you want to do, and these things are dead. Stay away from that. Um, just from a follower perspective, if you work at a big yeah. box office gym, if you work at a good life, okay, yeah. you, you're coming into the gym with no clients, but you have a hundred thousand yeah. followers. That, that's what I always say. So, mm -hmm. the box office gym or the box gyms, like they're good for that. But if you have no skill set, yeah. I don't know really where to go. So, what kind of skill set should people be looking forward to online and things they should kind of stay away from? Yeah, I think when um, you're doing anything with social media, it's like immediately detaching emotionally and personally from it. It's this weird world where, like, a lot of like your friends use social media just for fun and for everyday life, mm -hmm. but you're using it for business and maybe also personal. So it is this really weird space. We don't have a lot of spaces like that. Like you don't email your friend, you know, mm -hmm. like your emails, probably mostly your business or like spam from companies. Right. So it's this weird space where both exist. And I think that makes it a really emotional experience for people. So I'm talking about like when you don't get a lot of likes on a post, right? People mm -hmm. take down the post or they get upset or they like never try that piece kind of content again, right? Um, if you can separate yourself from it, I think that's the most important thing because then everything is just a data point or a gut feeling of like, okay, this isn't getting a lot of likes right now. Like anytime you're transitioning, especially if you're not posting fitness stuff, like right off the bat, it probably won't be like fire, you know, like it's probably gonna be kind of quiet at the start because people are like getting used to this change. They're watching you transition. They're still like figuring it out. But then eventually the new people that follow you will be there because of what you're sharing. So that's where like the engagement starts to come up. So I think just really like either trusting that gut instinct or using the data points that you have of being like, cool, okay, this post, I've had posts where I'm like, wow, that post did so bad compared to everything, but I'm not like sad about it. I go, okay, what do I think it is? Is it the actual content of it? Is it something to do with the delivery channel? Like if I used a post and I should have used a reel on Instagram, for example. Um, so really just looking at things completely from like a business analytical standpoint will do you so good in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, that is like the biggest, biggest thing with social media. A buddy of mine yesterday, he said, um, he's like, Hey, I got to get on TikTok." He's like, my yeah. buddy's on it. He's crushing it. I said, Oh, that's cool. And uh, he's like, he's got 30,000. I got I got to get to this. So what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to post every day. And I almost yeah. mouthed him. I almost said, well, is your content going to be good? Is it going to yeah. be direct? Like, like you got, we got to talk. You can't just post every day, man. You know, yeah. that is 2018 stuff. Yeah. And, and that, even, even just that idea of like, I have to be on TikTok. It's like, well, have you done your customer persona? Are they on TikTok? Cause just cause your buddy's customer is on TikTok doesn't mean that yours is. And I, I do think TikTok's like growing as a platform too, right? Mm -hmm. So lots of people are on it, but it's still like pausing and thinking about that, right? What kind of stuff do I want to share? Like TikTok has been really interesting for me. I've played with it on and off. 
But for me, I definitely on TikTok, the audience is younger. They're broker. It's very different. It's product companies, whereas uh, Instagram tends to be older. It's service-based companies. So it's a totally different experience Mm -hmm. and you have to have room to play with that. So like I was in a place where Instagram and like my other strategies are working. So like I've literally built out different funnels. I've built out different mini products to convert them into something like this on social program, knowing it's such a different audience. And I don't think a lot of people don't think about that stuff. They just think like a social platform's content. It's like, no, where are you getting them? Right. Mm-hmm. What is yep. the goal of this stuff? hundred percent. You know, I, I have a niece and she's like 20 years old and, yeah. and uh, Facebook doesn't exist. That's for mom. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so like the moms and the dads are on, on Facebook and, yeah. and she's on TikTok and she's barely on Instagram. So not on Facebook, barely on IG, but all yeah. over TikTok, but she would not be my client as well. You know, a 20 year old would not right. be my client, but if I was, I don't know, maybe selling bracelets for water aid or something, she yep. might be more of that, that, that person. Yeah. Or if you went like a, if you wanted to do some niche product of like how to stay fit through university, right? Like Mm -hmm. something like that, you would blow up on TikTok. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's also a personal choice of like, you can see an opportunity and not want it. And I think not enough people like do that or recognize that we're just so quick to like opportunity jump. Like you could say like, oh yeah, I could totally design a university product. And you're like, do I want to sell to 18 year olds who are maybe going through like body image stuff too? Right. Like things like that. It's like, what, what do you want to actually do with your time? Yeah. hundred uh, percent. What are some of the no's? What are like the big no's you see that people do on social media? And you're like, you know what? You're just wasting your time here. Yeah. I would say content for the sake of content. Like you mentioned, if you're posting just cause you're like, I didn't post today. I would rather you like sit back and come up with a p- good post for two days from now. Mm-hmm. Um, setting like unrealistic um, commitments for the sake of it. So people will be not posting at all. And then they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to post five days a week. Like, I'm just going to do that. Even though the last three months have been super flaky. It's like, okay, well, let's start with once a week at most twice a week. And like, give yourself, it's kind of like that book, Atomic Habits, right? Like give yourself four weeks of two posts a week, no matter Mm -hmm. what, just stick to that. And once you do that, okay, then we can go to three posts, right? Because also from an algorithm perspective, it doesn't love that if you show up for five days and then disappear for a month and Mm -hmm. your energy doesn't love that you end up burning out. So really just like always stepping back and taking the time to put a strategy behind something will pay off every single time. So that's like a really, really big one. And same with like the trends. It's great to hop on trends. I think how you should gauge those is like never doing, there's a difference between something being like new and kind of uncomfortable. Like the first time you get on stories, it's a little awkward, Mm -hmm. right? But then doing like an Instagram reel where you're doing like the dancing point, like for some people that is like not... It's not a thing. Like it's mm-hmm. not their personality. Mm-hmm. And that's a different kind of uncomfortable. And you right? can feel that's, it. You can feel it. You can it. feel it so it's, it's like um it's like a comedian who bombs. Yes. Right. If yes. you're at a live show and you're just like sitting back in your seat, you don't want to yeah. see them. It's the same thing when they're dancing and pointing. Yes. I have like I have a list of things that I always tell Josh of like things that I love that you would think I was being sarcastic, but I actually love watching someone's first real when it is a dancing point because it's this moment where I'm like you went for it and you're that much closer to knowing that this is not the style of real you are ever going to do again (laughs) so I love watching the awkwardness of it but yeah like so many people go like oh do I need to be on reels because I don't want to dance in point I'm Mm -hmm. like stop making those the same thing like you can do so much on reels that is not dancing and pointing you could actually just do a video where you talk for a minute but Mm -hmm. upload it through a reel like that is a reel right or 30 seconds, whatever it is right now. Um, 
but yeah, really separating from those trends and saying, which trends can I hop on? Like sound trends or dances, if that fits you, right? Like using those things, but always having that filter of like, am I just a little uncomfortable? Cause this is a new thing. Or am I actually doing something that like makes me want to like run in the other direction and pretend that it, that never happened. And I'd be like super embarrassed if people saw it. Mm-hmm. When, um, when, t- when, when I got on TikTok, I was bored. First yeah. off, I was super, it was COVID just hit. I was super bored, yeah. but I found it just hilarious that I could take someone's words from a oh, movie yeah. or something and, and overdub it. Right. And, you know, yeah. I do something stupid. So it was all dad stuff. It was husband yeah. stuff. It was just goofy stuff. And amazing. Are you doing that again? I'm like, this is entertaining for me. And, yeah. and then, and I felt like it, there was no business pers- you know, perspective of it. This is not help my, I'm just having some fun with this. But then when I went through your course, you said, people need to know who you are. They have to understand yeah. who you are. I'm goofy. I'm a dad. That, that, yeah. That's kind of who I am. So I was able to take some of those TikTok videos and then put them through reels on, on IG. Yep. And some of the engagement was like stupid high. Yeah. And then I realized from your course that the people who were engaging with that, they, they know who I am. Like mm-hmm. they, they get the idea that I'm a goofy guy and I am a dad. But if mm-hmm. I'm just doing training stuff, they don't see that side of me. And yeah. then all, next thing you know, you know, I train a bunch of dads. I got a bunch of dads. They laugh at that oh, yeah. shit all the time. Well, that's the thing. They want to know that they can make a joke to you about cracking a beer on a Friday night or something, right? Mm-hmm. They don't like, I think people go straight to that education space and educational content's great, but we don't get to see who you are. So if I'm following you and all you're posting is like another squat tip, it just gets lost with all the other squat tips I've seen. Whereas mm-hmm. like, if you give me that moment where I laugh out loud at some dad thing you're doing, like, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to relate to it. Like you said, it connects with those people that are great clients. And they're, they're the ones that you want to work with. You want somebody that thought that real was funny, not that like rolled their eyes at you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes right back to what you're saying, like that ideal clientele you want to work with. Yeah. Yeah. So when the, the, the trends have kind of evolved over time, what do you see? What do you see coming? Um, like Clubhouse was, I don't I'm not even sure what Clubhouse is yet, but I yeah. saw it's something new <laughs> and you had a little live on it, which I didn't watch. Um, yeah. But what, like, what's new? What's coming on with social media where people can use to help profit their business? I mean, Clubhouse is still hot if you want to be on it. I'm, it's one of those ones, like it is a very time consuming app, but if you have, again, if you have a strategy behind it, I know people that are properly funneling from Clubhouse. So it's been great business. I know a lot of people that just spend hours on end, like having conversations in rooms and it's not going anywhere. Um, what I would say in turn, I always like less like the platform trends and more like the, the marketing trends. There's definitely like the realer and the more raw, but not like this like weirdly fake authentic. Like I hate the word authentic because I feel like everyone who talks about being authentic is doing it really on inauthentically. <laughs> it's like a very oxymoron got, situation. Gotta change the word. Let's go unique. Yeah, exactly. So like that that just actually being yourself, but like not having the curated cute little gym, just having your messy gym if that's where you're posting. Um, I think people are trying like Okay. We had this moment where everyone started teaching and we were like, this is amazing. Like I can get fitness tips. I can get business tips, all this on Instagram. Now I think we're going to a place where people are bored of that, right? They don't want the seventh squat tip in their feed. They want the personality. They want the connection, right? They want to know more about who you are. They want to know, like they care about your values. I think especially like the upcoming generations. And this is something we saw with LVD. I saw it in my startups I worked at before, like millennials and younger actually truly care about these kind of things and they're going to not hire you as a trainer if your values don't align so they Mm want to see that they want to see that they like agree with who you are as a person i think 
we can see that too, the way that social issues, I mean, everyone's been at home, but the way that social issues have been treated very differently in the last year in social, it's kind of like, if you're not speaking up, where are you? Mm-hmm. We did not have that expectation on small businesses before, right? Mm-hmm. So p- people, you know, attribute that to everyone being home and on social more, but part of that is we care a lot more now. We want to know that that jewelry company we bought a bracelet from is going to stand up with us when there's an issue we care about, right? So yeah. I think really getting to that underneath, like who's behind the business and just showing up and being a real human as opposed to a content generation machine is a hundred percent where it's going. That is so, um, it's different. What you're saying is the more we are using technology, yeah, the more we are looking for the human side of people. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that bizarre? And if you think about a lot of these features that are coming out and apps that are doing well, so like TikTok is um, video, but it's not video the way that like Instagram, right? It's kind of the same. Instagram started really raw and ugly. Everyone had filtered photos, right? Then it got super, super curated. TikTok is having that evolution, but it's not going more curated. It's going more professional video. So like, Mm -hmm. that's the shift, right? We're seeing a lot of people like in a messy bun and sweatshirt and that stuff's still acceptable on TikTok, which is really cool. It's not like overly produced videos, but then the next level of it, we're just seeing like creators get cooler cameras and take drone shots, right? It's not going to this curated place. And it's still that really mixed world of like, you can watch a super high def video on TikTok and then you can scroll and it's like a girl in her parents' basement with bad lighting, right? Mm -hmm. But that app in itself is showing us how much more real it is. And then Clubhouse. So Clubhouse is like an audio only platform and nothing's recorded. It's all just like literally as if you walked into a room and started talking to people and then you can leave the room at any time. You don't get to know what's happening in the room when you're not there. That it, again, it's like, it's so real that none of those rooms can be recorded. It's very like, you have to be on the app while it's happening to know people are just like craving these real moments and the new tech is supporting it, right? The fact that it's, you can't type, like you cannot type in Clubhouse. So you have to use your real life voice to be part of the conversation. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so like even, a, someone with social anxieties nightmare. Right. But then also weirdly, weirdly cool because you could be sitting on your couch in pajamas with a glass of wine and you're just talking into your phone. So for Mm. some people, they're like, it's so much better because if I go live on Instagram, I have to have the ring light on Mm. and I have to like look a certain way. So if we look at where the technology is going and the apps that are picking up, it it's these ones that have the more genuine connections and have less opportunities to be fake Instagram live, right? Even reels, reels are so much messier than like, IGTV when it first came out, right? Mm-hmm. Stories, all of these things are just getting like more and more real. Mm-hmm. So you, through the course, there's a handful of, of scenarios there where I'm like, like, how do you, how do you know this? How do you know this? You, you mentioned one thing about, yeah. you know, um, you reach out to a client, you know, through a DM, you go this step here, then you go to this step at 17 days, you then reco- you connect them, but you're not spitting like research behind all this stuff. You're just spitting yeah. facts but I imagine you did all the research or is that just from your own experience where you figured some of those things out? Yeah, it's a bit of both. So it's like looking at um, like something like the 17 days you mentioned, it's like most people that try a habit without the right support or tools that they need will fail like within 17 days. So that's Mm -hmm. like a psychological fact. That's not necessarily about sales calls, but it's something about humans. Right. Um, But then also from experience, I've early on, I would have sales calls and I would watch someone go like, Oh no, I think, I think I'm just going to like go for it. I think I can do it this time. Right. And in less than a month, it's kind of like, there's nothing has happened. Right. They, you, 
check in with them, not even from like a, Hey, do you still want to do this? Just like, Hey, how's it going? And they're like, Oh, like, well, this thing came up and there's just always like those excuses. Right. So it's a bit of a combination of a, a big psychology nerd. And I like taking that stuff and applying it to business. It's, I read a lot of business and sales type books mm -hmm. and then straight up the experience. And that's why I love working with clients in all these different industries, because I get to also like play in their industries and experience mm -hmm. it. Right. So I know if that's true for a fitness coach, the same way I know that it's true for like a candle business. Mm -hmm. Right. And I can, I can create or give those nuanced differences of, okay, this is how it's going to work. So like a little, a little teaser is I'm adding some product um, videos to sell on social because mm -hmm. product is my, my first love since my business is product. Mm -hmm. But some of these things I've, I've, you know, like resisted having product companies in it right now because there are some nuanced differences. So I'm going to be like adding those videos, but just seeing all these different industries that I work in constantly validating or tweaking, um, the stuff that I've used myself is really, really cool to see how it can work. And also like different personality types, right? Like something that works really well for you. Like you one takeaway from this course and like go make all this money and get all these clients with it and someone else could take an entirely different approach from the same mm -hmm. course and go make their money that way mm -hmm. yeah i can there are certain points where i'm like that's not me that's oh there i am there i am there I am, right I went exactly mm -hmm. and that's what i try to do is like help people see like the understanding behind it i think a lot of courses will be like okay so you're going to dm 30 people today you're going to use you're gonna find your hashtags mm -hmm. this way. It's like, no, because if you're not comfortable with DMing 30 people, you're not gonna do it. So instead it's like, okay, how are we gonna get 30 people into our life today? And here's the different avenues you could take for that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so um, what I'm hearing is this course came to be by you doing your day-to-day -day business and there was a, yeah. a opportunity for either your one-on-one -on -one clients that you're working with. And you say, you know what, there's this opportunity. I'm just going to put this all together in one big package. I'm going to help all them out, you know, at a, at a cheaper rate, obviously. Yeah. And then you then took the science behind it, you know, with your psychology mm -hmm. background, you took the experience from creating about 57 different businesses. I don't know, since yeah. you were 16 <laughs> years old, right? And successful yeah. businesses. Yeah. And you put your own flair on it yeah. with um, experience and, and put this whole product together. Am I safe to say that's exactly what happened? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. As a fitness educator myself, yeah, I, I go to conferences. I take yeah. courses online. Yeah, you do the same thing. But the difference is, as a student, when yeah. I sit there, sometimes you get the, you get the researcher to come out right? Yeah. And the researcher comes out and they're like, oh, this is what you need to do. You got to do this here. We tested on rats and the rats leg extension increased by 32% right. and they're pushing the glass. And I'm like, yo, you've never lifted a weight. Yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong, right? but it's hard to, uh, you didn't lift a weight. Right. And then someone else who gets up there and they said, Hey, I lift weights like this. You know, my, you know, my neck doesn't hurt. Your neck might hurt, but my neck doesn't hurt. Well, they've right. never done the research. They've never done the science, right? Right. The best in the fitness industry is you get someone who's done both because yeah. they're going to give you the practicality, the education, and then teach you how to apply it. And as a student from your course, I could say that's exactly what your course was. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Very I welcome. should just like hire you for my course marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I know your time is, is very um, 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 important. I'm sure you probably have to do something else right now. Um, so just lastly, as we end up on this conversation here, for someone who's going to be taking that, that course there, I'm going to link it into uh, the show notes here so they could register yeah. for it. Um, but if, if someone's on the fence about taking it right now and they're in the fitness industry and they want to grow their business, what one piece of advice or one tip you might give them? Hmm. Mm. That's okay. Well, uh, first of all, I'm just going to say, if you go to mallorywin.com slash results, 
that will sell you on it because that is just, yeah, that is everybody's, there's videos there from students, there's screenshots from people. What I'm really big on is like, some people need to see that somebody has gone and made 50K from this program for them to buy it. Someone else needs to know that somebody got three new clients, right? We all have those different goals. We have those different places. So I think that's really what I try to show there is like, hey, for somebody, three clients in three months is a huge win. For somebody else, they've like 4Xed their revenue in the first five months, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever you want from it is what you can get from it. Um, I also do have a seven day money back guarantee. So like truly, I believe that my marketing around it and my sales page is like so transparent that if you get in it and like, if you somehow land in that and then you were like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. Like, cool. I don't, I don't want you in it then. I don't want you to spend your money on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest thing. Like it truly does work. I think if you're not looking at my program, you need to be looking at selling on social in general, because mm -hmm. that is a huge missed opportunity, whether you want to stay at a box, big box gym store. Wow. Big box gym. <laughs> um, if you're at a boutique gym, if you're doing it on your own, if you don't even know if you want to train yet, like I have people in the course, they're just like, I love this thing and I'm not offering it as a service yet, but I know one day there's something coming. There's a product or there's a service. You can start building that brand. That's how, like you joke that I disappeared for a month and came back It's because I had a brand, right? Mm -hmm. I had the experience, but I also had an existing brand. And that that's something you can literally start building like yesterday. It was the resurrection of Mal. I was like, where'd yeah. she go? And I was like, oh, whoa, she's. I was just literally <laughs> almost dying. From, like, <laughs> it was a resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> I just came back to life legitimately. So yeah. for anyone who's listening right now in this, and they're in the fitness industry, they work as a personal trainer, strength conditioning coach. Um, yeah. Just a little up, uh, update for them. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation earlier today with someone who is very high up in the fitness industry. And we were talking about trends for 2021, 2022. And a lot of um, gym companies are going to be using hybrid models where they're going to be doing live cool. in session and they're going to be doing online as well. So yeah. if you're currently online and you're not using your online presence to, to sell, um, this is going to be a great course for you. And if you are looking to get online, I also recommend that this can be a great course for you as well. So just, if you want to stay with the current times, then, then that'll be for you. Yeah. And I love to see that for the gyms too. I think you know, there's a lot of industries when the pandemic started where I was just like, okay, yeah, let's diversify your revenue streams, right? Because it was a real moment for gyms to be like, oh, shoot, what are we going to do? And you watch some gyms adapt super fast and you watch others go like, oh, we don't, we don't have the like digital know-how to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some just, yeah, they're, they just pause. It's, yeah. like, it's quicksand, right? Quicksand's the best example I can think of for yeah. this whole COVID situation in the fitness industry. When you jump in the quicksand, if you don't do anything, you slowly die. Yeah. Right. Now, if you jump into quicksand and you're just moving all over the place with no strategy, you die. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's like when you're in quicksand, you need to move in the right directions. So mm -hmm. you know, something like your course does provide those directions for people. So thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I'm going to link all your interactions, all your social media underneath. And um, for sure. if someone is interested in taking this course, definitely sign up for it. And um, again, thank you so much for coming on the Project Fitness Podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder, we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.